Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. It's showtime, folks. Enjoy the show. Happy Saturday, matinee gents. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, sorry, I stole your line, Steve. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Top of the morning to you. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> hey, we're all still at each other's lines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> how's your how's your movie lives? Good, good. I, um, I've i been trying to catch up on... Uh, I have this list that I've been following uh, from... Uh, 
from, uh, I think it was from, where was it? Playlist. Uh, they did these a variety of lists of like you know the top 50 sci-fi movies of the of the 21st century the top uh, animated films and all this sort of stuff and they did this list of the the sci-fi films um it was just really a lot of interesting films and so i've been trying to catch up on it because there's a lot on here that i haven't seen and so i've watched a few of those uh, this past week and um advantageous was a really interesting film i enjoyed quite a bit um, and, uh, the one that I just watched last night, which I just, just kind of total mind bending time travel movie. It was time crimes yes. in Spain and yes. absolutely fantastic film that just, I, I just, it kept going in like these, these, uh, time travel loops and it just was getting more and more tense and, and, uh, you know, just crazy every time I loved it. It's fantastic movie. I've never seen it. Oh, Steve, you like it? Yes. That was on my list. That was one of my. That yeah, was, it was. That was my time. One of my time travel list. I think. Oh, right, it totally yeah. was. Yes, absolutely. No, I'm glad Andy oh. got around to that one because that is, yeah, like one of my top time travel movies. And uh, yeah, no, you need to see that. Un- un- absolutely. Does, any, does anybody in it actually use time travel to do more homework? Because <laughs> I think that's a recurring <laughs> theme that I want to celebrate. I, I don't know. He does. Does he use time travel to get his chores done? Is that? <laughs> uh, not quite, not quite, but quite. sort of. Oh, you absolutely awesome. need to uh, check that one yeah. out, Pete. And if we ever do a time travel series, uh, that has that to be on, on the list. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, I. What was the What was the one we that that I think I liked so much? Um, oh, primer. Goodness. What primer? No primer. Of course, of course, yeah. primer. It was the but but that's not the one I'm thinking of. It's the one where uh, Looper. Oh, it's the gender swappy one. Oh, predestination. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh, I that, love was, predestination. that was also brilliant. I, 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 it was fantastic, and I, I remember. I, I can't remember who it was in our group and in Slack. Somebody reviewed it and rated it like two and a half stars, and I, my feelings were so hurt. <laughs> I had to go to bed. Like it was so sad. <laughs> I adore that. Go cry movie. yourself to sleep. <laughs> I did. I had to cry myself to sleep because the the world apparently does not always agree with me, and this was the first time I'd ever been exposed to that. Uh, <laughs> you've you've had a good run, Pete. <laughs> wow, Steve. What about you? You see anything well, good? I, I don't. I am unable to access the Blot Nelson Zone, which is this weird time warp that allows you to watch like fifteen movies in a week and write reviews for, for yeah. them. So I did get out and I saw uh, Blade Runner 2049 again. I had a friend that hadn't seen it and I thought I I need to see this again on the big screen. So I went and checked that out again to see how that holds up and really enjoyed it the second time and was able to notice a lot more details about story and some other things. So I'm still parsing that out, but I, I think there's more. I have a whole theory about Joy and the Wallace Corporation that... I'm still teasing out to see if it makes sense. I'm going to have to probably wait till I can watch it, like pause it, rewind and, and, and check things out. But interesting, interesting uh, possibilities yeah. that because she's owned by the Wallace Corporation, she's their software. Are they using her to manipulate Kay? Hmm. Oh, more things oh, to no. think about. Yes. Ah, nuts. Because I didn't want to think like okay. that. She's the one that's yeah. the, that really plants the seed in his mind of the thought that he's the child. That comes from her. Yeah. And the whole marketing slogan on the joy thing is you see it on the billboards. I could 
you know, read it, you know, I was paying attention could instead of being overwhelmed by just the great visuals. I was like, okay, Oh, there's the joy billboard is in there so much. And the, the little slogan is everything you want to see, everything you want to hear. Oh man. So I wonder if it's, she's telling him what he wants to hear because you know, of their relationship or if it is, the Wallace Corporation, because they know he has he has a product. Because when he first goes to their offices, the you know Love mentions, "Oh, you're also a customer. Do you enjoy? You're also yeah, a customer, yeah, sure. So, yeah, right. So there's a I, I'm trying to you know watch. It. I'll see on the third viewing if I can focus on that. See what happens. I'm I'm actually surprised you're here this morning because I thought with Stranger Things uh, season two going live, you would just be you'd still be kind of wrapping up your overnight. No, day. no, no. That's because. <laughs> Uh, no, that's got to, I got to wait till s- tomorrow because one of my kids is a makeup artist at the high school Halloween event. And that's, that was last night and tonight. So we've got to wait till Sunday. So what we are doing is the kids are having some friends over and we're going to start our binge at 11 and we're going to eat some egos while we watch Stranger Things. <laughs> as you do, as you do. I adore that. That's fantastic. That's so funny. Hey, Steve, just in case you uh, were wondering, though, in order to actually get into the Blot Nelson zone, you just need a time turner. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's what I use my time travel device for. You just need a time to watch movies. more movies. Exactly. Oh, for crying out loud. <laughs> Do you know what you know what's <laughs> exasperating about that is I know that's true. Like if you had a time turner that is what you would do with it. Probably. It's so This so is how those plots problems. get made because because there are people like you who live them out. <laughs> uh okay, my turn. Can I talk to you about Geostorm? No. <laughs> We'd rather you not, but if you must. <laughs> <laughs> I lost uh, I lost a bet or a dare, and we had to see the biggest budget, loudest, uh, most flamboyant use of cartoons in film uh, with the boys last night. And so we did. And I, you know, I like to imagine that there that these movies that like, you can find <laughs> some redeeming qualities of these movies. And I, 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 I guess that I guess I could f- find something in in this movie that's that's redeeming. It would take a lot uh, for me to muster that up. Um, this is a this is a straight up terrible film, and <laughs> it it's terrible from the moment it begins. From they they let almost every character has a ridiculous monologue. Almost every character. <laughs> Uh, to to explain something that is just nonsensical in the plot, like Gerard Butler uh, is the the big tough guy who um, invents this uh, this net essentially that goes around the planet. It's a net. It is. It's not just a network of satellites. It's actually a net. You guys, a net <laughs> like a space net. of satellites that are connected to one another. They are connected to one another. Think about that, and think about even though I know. We're not astrophysicists. We're not experts in, you know, things that orbit other things. But we do have a basic, let's say, third grade understanding of how uh, objects uh, work with gravity, like, you know, the moon. Uh, And this movie doesn't have any of that. It is absurd. It's absurd. Uh, So he invents this giant uh, system that can control the weather. So anytime it starts to rain in Bangladesh, they shoot some little things at it and it it makes the rain stop, right? So now weather is perfect everywhere. The Secretary of State, I'm going to spoil it. The Secretary of State's the bad guy, you guys. He's the bad guy. Oh, goody. And 
Yeah, they, you you see that coming a mile away, mostly because he's played by Ed Harris. Come on. <laughs> uh, so Ed Harris, he's the bad guy, and uh, he he tries to to play the good guy, but Ed Harris in this movie is nothing but bad, and uh, he uh, tries to take over the 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 spaceship, the the satellite, which also it's the International Space Station, and there's gravity on it now. Like oh, so, when course. as soon as you land, there there's these giant garages and space shuttles that can fly into these garages and just land there. Wow! <laughs> and then there's gravity. There's just gravity, and it's just I. There aren't words. The biggest betrayal I think of this movie is that in the on the poster artwork you see the Burj Khalifa kind of tilting, and uh, the the there's this tidal wave of water kind of you know coming off the ocean and it's knocking over buildings and you think oh my goodness that's going to be a catastrophically brilliant effect when they bring the Burj Khalifa down they never bring the Burj Khalifa down they never do they leave it tilted they leave it tilted like that is the most ridiculous semi-erect giant (laughs) tower you have ever seen (laughs) well you know physics does not apply Apparently, I mean they they established that early on. Yeah, yeah. not at all. I okay. Let me uh, let me say this. Abby Cornish is uh, she's <laughs> she's delightful, uh, trying to you know muscle her way through uh, this this film. Um, as I really like Abby Cornish. I liked her in Sucker Punch, and uh, you know I think she's I think she's great. And so she she does a fine job in this bit of ridiculousness. Um, and Gerard Butler doesn't. Um, and the trailer for this one before this movie was the next Gerard Butler, the den of thieves. Have you seen the trailer for this? Yeah. Uh, he says, yes. it popped you're, up in my, you're not the bad guys. Uh, we're the bad guys. Yeah. And he's the police. Yeah. Equally terrible. Um, but I will say that, uh, uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, um, Talitha Eliana Bateman. She's been in a lot of stuff. She's been in like the, the, um, uh, Maze Runner, I think, and so she's she's been she's kind of in that category. But I I had this weird feeling watching her in this last night that we're gonna look back on her as we look at you know Firestarter, Drew Barrymore. Yeah, like you, you get the feeling like this is this is a young woman who is going to she's she's probably gonna do some things that are really great. And this wasn't it, but um, but but she's she's gonna she's got a lot of character. Yeah, a lot of charisma. I look forward to that. And Zazie Beetz was also really funny uh, in this um, in this movie. Is it, 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 I had never heard of her. I've never seen anything that she was. She was in Atlanta and Applesauce and Finding Her uh, is a movie coming up. But she's got a lot of stuff coming up, and uh, she's she's somebody to watch too. So there there were some really good people I think hidden in this disaster of a movie, and um, so don't don't see it, but. <laughs> Look at the cast list on IMDb and make some notes because there are some people who are gonna who are gonna need you. This is a terrible movie. This yeah. is a terrible experience. <laughs> well, I I wondered about it because Jim Sturgis was one of those actors that like a decade ago I thought was gonna be somebody and and do something and he just sort of like disappeared because he he was yeah. in that uh, that Beatles musical thing across the universe. He was in the. Uh, card counting one uh, in Vegas, tw- 21. 21. 21, yeah. 21, and Cloud yes. Atlas, yeah. yeah, right? So yeah, he just, yeah, so this 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 doesn't help. 
This does not help him at all. Oh, no, no, he's the brother, and and that that's the <laughs> that's the made up controversy. Wait, he, he's the brother of Ger- Gerard, yeah, of Gerard. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> Yeah, no. Mom always you liked everything. you best. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the level of dialogue. Because oh. Gerard Butler invented this stupid thing, but then he's too antagonistic to the Senate, and Senate the senators fire him and put the younger brother in charge. Because oh, of course, yeah. and and that begins the uh, the the dissolution of the family, and so. Gerard Butler gets conned to go back up. He's not really conned. I, it's stupid. He he goes back up to to repair this thing when they before they realize that it's it's actually a malevolent force, uh, and uh, so they have to work together. One brother in space, one brother on Earth, solving the mystery <laughs> of the geostorm. But you guys, I'm not kidding. They say the word geostorm so often. It's it is. Uh, it should have been a drinking game. Like they should have given you shot glasses walking into this thing, because uh, it, it got to the point where uh, the boys and I were sitting there looking at each other, and every time they said geostorm, we'd look at each other and say geostorm. <laughs> you know, it's just so stupid. Until the toward the in the third act, they actually put the ticking clock on the giant screen, the war war games screen, and it says time to in a giant bold font geostorm with a clock that says an hour and a half. Because they can they can predict to the second when Geostorm <laughs> will hit. And as soon as they solve the problem, all of the storms evaporate around the planet. It is it is absurd. Oh my god. It is not a fun movie. Stop hitting yourself. Stop hitting yourself. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, the whole wow. time. Okay. Well, it did well enough to be number two at the box oh. office, unfortunately. So <clears throat> it still didn't beat out Tyler Perry's Boo 2, which uh, we kind of knew would probably take the number one slot. But yeah, it, uh, it you know, it's it's above Blade Runner 2049, Happy Death Day, oh, Only the Brave, uh, The Foreigner, Victorian uh. Abdul, American Maid. All better movies. <laughs> See all of those movies first. This is a please let my life serve as a warning to others. This is a terrible movie. I would have I, I this is a movie that made me think I'm sitting there thinking in the theater, you know what I wish got a big theatrical release? Any of the Sharktopus movies. I would watch those first on a big screen. I would love the Sharktopus movies right now. That's sad. God That's really is sad terrible. to say. Oh my. Okay. Well, good. You got that out of uh, your system. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, shall we do trailers? Let's. Yeah. Who was it who had the the Ethan? Oh, Hawk that's one? me. That's me. Yeah. That was that. That's. Uh, I, I think Ethan Hawke needs a movie like I, this. I, see? <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> despite some of the really hacky dialogue, like you, you're you're gonna walk out of here, or I'm gonna walk out of here over your dead body. It's yeah, just, it's yeah. like, really? Wow. Uh, but no, it's it's 24 hours to live. And what I was really intrigued by about this is it, it struck a place close to my heart because it reminded me of some of those direct-to-video movies from like the 80s and 90s where it's a really interesting concept and they they do the best they can with it. And it it's, it's a simple story. This is a story of an assassin that seeks redemption after be, being brought back to life. And he's going to, they want him for one last job. And so he decides, well, you took everything away from me. So I'm going to kill you in my last 24 hours instead of doing the job that you're bringing me back to do. So, you know, ridiculous concept, something straight out of like some graphic novel or pulpy, you know, short story. 
But what we have now is the ability because the pricing on like, you know, being able to do a lot of the computer graphics, that software is now just readily available. It's so easy to do lots of blood because you don't need to be spending all this money rigging squibs. So you can just have blood, you know, spewing everywhere, headshots, you know, easy to do, you know, big stunt work. It's all CG now. And if the price is low enough, you know, and it looks, you know, decent, people will go with it. And so some of those movies from the 80s and 90s that had really interesting stories, but the effects were just so hokey because the budgets were low, can actually look decent now. And so it reminds me of those films that you would discover and say, well, yeah, I recognize this actor. This idea sounds interesting. I'll give it a shot. And yeah, it's something that's fun. And that's that's what I'm expecting, that it's going to be pretty much just, you know, ridiculous, fun, but it's going to look decent. The fact that it's it's produced by the guys who uh, did John Wick, you know, that yes. said to me, OK, so these guys are trying to find the next, uh, you know, uh, older actor to kind of bring bring into the action fold and, and kind of do some uh, some great uh, takedowns and everything. And I was like, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the busiest actor in Hollywood to get out there and have one of these movies. So Ethan Hawke, I think, looks like he's going to have a lot of fun in this. And, yeah. and despite some of the, the hacky dialogue and stuff like that, it still looks like it could be a good time. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued. Well, and it's it's interesting because you, you mentioned John Wick and the director on this, Brian Smurz, he is all he's also a stunt coordinator and the the two guys that directed you know John Wick those guys were stunt coordinators so it's I think they're trying to you know get that magic again of let's get somebody that's got stunt work experience can deliver that in an action movie let's get an actor that's you know recognizable that could do this and we'll we'll put together something and and see how it goes I uh, feel like we just need to to call out a few people who are in this movie uh, with Ethan Hawke. Uh, not, uh, the, uh, we, we've got uh, Liam Cunningham, Game of Thrones. Uh, Liam Cunningham, it's nice to see him in this movie. Uh, but mostly, I'm going for Rutger Hauer. <laughs> yes. What? <laughs> what? I get a nice, fresh 2017, 2018-ish uh, shoot-em-up with Ethan Hawke and Rutger Hauer. I am 13 again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's ridiculous. I I couldn't. I, I I watching this trailer. You're so right about the dialogue. The only thing, of course, I'm thinking is I'll step out over your dead body. Hopefully, I'll miss the geo storm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like <laughs> everything comes back to that. Uh, but I I you know I I'll I'll forgive I'll forgive a lot. Geo storm shows the limits of what I won't forgive. But I'll forgive a lot for Ethan Hawke and Rutger Hauer. I think this looks really fun. Is there any indication that this is this isn't part of the John Wick universe? No, at all, right? no I don't think so. Everything I, I you know everything I heard is that they were trying to build a John Wick cinematic universe, right? That, that we're going to have more. We're going to have the TV show or Netflix or something. They've got the show about the continental. The what well, hasn't continental yeah. and it hasn't been said yet, but it could be one of those things like you know the the Stephen King universe or the Tarantino universe yeah. where they might internally be doing all of this without any yeah. of us knowing and it might be you know 10 years from now someone's going to come up with a meme that connects everything because i i would i would wait 10 years for a keanu reeves ethan hawk <laughs> 20 24 hours to john wick mashup i would do that in 10 years 
Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, they, we, they, <laughs> was, yes. They, you know what? You know I what? Would. They did that. It was called. It they was called had. Red Pete, and you hated your geriatric action movies. <laughs> I, I hated it. I hated it. Maybe they could really <laughs> highlight the knee and hip replacements by then. That would that maybe would make it better for me. Oh. Uh, when does it actually? Come well, out? Uh, right now, if you're in Kuwait, you can see it, or if you're in the United States, you'll have to wait till December first for a limited release. Kuwait. Yeah. That's some that's some film money right there. That's some deep oil film money <laughs> to get the first opening in Kuwait, right? Uh, you'd think so. Yeah. You'd think so. Yeah. Andy, what's yours? Uh, my trailer is, uh, it, it kind of looks like a, a Death Wish sort of trailer, except it's taking a very different angle. It is MFA. Uh, this is from Brazilian director Natalia Leite. Uh, it is about an art student who um, can't quite find her um, the you know the her personality when it comes out in her art until she uh, she gets uh, uh, date raped at this at this party and it kind of sets her on this this dark downward spiral where she pretty much becomes a vigilante after accidentally killing the guy who who uh, raped her she starts uh, kind of avenging other college girls whose attackers, um, you know, had uh, had raped them. And uh, the cops, of course, are, are too ineffectual to do anything about it. And so she kind of takes it upon herself to uh, to take matters into her own, own hands and end these guys. Um, this looks like an interesting movie. I, I don't know if it's going to be one that's going to end up succeeding. I think it looks like a really interesting idea that is probably an important, uh, you know, thing to look at is this whole idea of, of these kind of uh, these college uh, rapes and the fact that they often don't get um, the uh, the um, legal attention they deserve, and it's it's a very big tragedy. Um, but I, I don't know. I'm I'm really curious to kind of see how this one turns out because I'm I'm wondering if if going the death wish route is going to kind of just kind of demean the whole story and turn it into something where it's like, well, it really could have used a lot more than what it uh, what it actually brought to the table here. Um, my understanding from what I've heard, because it did open at South by Southwest back in March, um, is that Francesca Eastwood, who uh, plays the uh, the lead character, Noel, I hear that she's just brilliant in the role and she, there's a lot of power she has here and everything. Um, and uh, And she looks great in the role. I mean, she's great in the trailer. It was very exciting to see her uh, Clifton Collins Jr. as one of the cops sporting a big beard. You know, it's always nice to see him in the film. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious to see kind of how the film is actually going to play out. So, uh, so yeah, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I weirdly, I, uh, you know, the first half of the trailer, I, I was like, well, this is not a movie I want to think about. This is really depressing. And then <laughs> she goes on her date rape murder spree. And weirdly, I became satisfied. Uh, that this whole sort of redemption story uh, around a very current and political issue seems to be like uh, ripe fodder for some satisfying emotional release. Uh, and I, the, the only question is, you know, is it are we, you know, uh, is, is it one of those things that is still it, it's been going on too long in the real world and it is not anywhere close to being resolved in the real world, and therefore, will it will it be sort of too close to home? I don't know. Uh, but but I thought the trailer, uh, you know, painted a, a haunting and uh, compelling, you know, thriller. Yeah. Wow. I had the exact opposite reaction. 
I thought the first half looked really interesting. And by the time I got to the revenge piece, I thought, oh, you were setting up a really interesting story about a struggling artist who's trying to find her voice, has this experience. And I thought, you know, the scene with like the school administrator or the police or whatever, like, well, did you say no? Because you told me you said wait. And it's like this whole thing of, okay, the politics and the police and whether I thought, okay, she's going to use her art now. She's going to find her voice to like make a stance and point out, you know, just bring all this out into the light to expose all the issues. And no, instead she just goes on killing spree. And I thought uh, such potential for a film to make a statement and say something. And it chose to go with the things that Pete likes. Geostore. Uh, <laughs> and see, that's why I'm torn because I feel yeah. like, I feel like there's something about that death wish uh, revenge story that it kind of turns into that might devolve into like, it could turn into something really interesting, but I'm like, is it going to? And I don't know. Uh, I can't quite tell from the trailer. So it certainly piqued my curiosity, but I'm not quite sure yet. But uh, uh, this one's, it actually opened already in an extremely limited release, October 13th. Um, I don't know how wide it's going to get. I'm not sure if this is going to be one that that pushes into a much wider release sometime soon. But um, but it's out there, uh, very limited if you, if you can find it. Otherwise, you'll have to wait till it uh, gets onto uh, digital. My trailer is uh, Journey's End. Uh, from director Saul Dibb and writer Simon Reed, who uh, uh, based his screenplay off of the novel by R.C. Sheriff. Uh, this film stars, um, let's see, Paul Bettany and Asa Butterfield uh, are in, uh, it's World War I, and they're, they're, most of the film apparently takes place in a dugout in Ain as the story of British officers and um, uh, uh, Asa Butterfield plays a character who's on a search uh, for his friend, uh, and his friend uh, has, has lost something in the war. And so I, you get a feeling that this is a, a story about, you know, Asa and his journey to help his his um, uh, friend, young officer Stanhope, uh, in the context of World War One. And what's amazing about this, like, I, I get the feeling that there's a little bit Saving Private Ryan in here, that there's, you know, you, you get that feeling that this is a, this is a big war movie, and the set, uh, the setting here is, is in a big war scape. This feels gritty, like a war movie, like, war movie. But everybody is so polite in this trailer. Like, this is the most understated, what's in the front of frame is the most understated uh, drama uh, compared to what's going on immediately behind it. And so it makes me really curious. I think this might be a, um, this this might be a, a, a good one with, a, with its, again, with its heart in the right place. What'd you guys think? I thought it looked great. Um, it looks just like a really solid uh, war film. You know, I mean, that's it's just straight up war film. And it had a lot of great, uh, uh, you know, just uh, nice performances. It's nice seeing Asa Butterfield kind of growing into kind of a, a an older actor. Um, I thought it was really funny uh, to see one of the... Uh, um, it, ha- it had little bits of like review quotes from reviews and stuff. And, and one of them was superb British performances. To my point, right? It's very British. Yes. Yes. Very British. I, I appreciate it. So <laughs> you've already been in the war five minutes then, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Oh. He's very fresh. Very green. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, <laughs> this is, it's interesting. I the fact that it's based on a play, I think uh is a play or a novel or both uh interests me because 
knowing that it's the setting is sort of limited, I I'm expecting a lot of character uh, in this, and I think that's what it makes be interested in this as a war film because it, it reminded me back to when we talked about fury and the scene that we spent the most talking about was that scene, you know, when the guys are in the house with the, with the girls and they're on the dinner table and, and all that discussion that was going on there. The fact that that was so interesting and that this movie seems to focus a lot on, you've got a character who's like mentally disintegrating in this family friend that's trying to find that that's found him and the, the history that they have that makes this interesting to me. I don't care that it's a war movie. That's just sort of, you know, window dressing around what could be, I think a very interesting and dynamic character piece. So that's, that's what's piquing my interest in this film. I uh, The director, Saul Dibb, he also did The Duchess back in 2008, which I have not seen. It's been one of those period pieces that's on my list of things to see because I, I heard really good things about it. So I, I may have to, you know, check out The Duchess and then, you know, early next year, go out and, and see this this journey's end because it's one of those character pieces that, it, that I, I long for seeing in the cinemas instead of just big explosions in a war movie. I think so too, and I'm glad you you said that it was. Or it looks like it was originally a play um, that was later novelized and later, uh, obviously, written as a screenplay. But it, the original play was written in 1928. Oh wow! Holy cow! Uh, so yeah, this is a story that's been around a long, long time, um, and so uh, yeah, uh, written nearly contemporaneous to the to the setting, which is fascinating. So. That should be uh, should be interesting. I'm excited about it. The, the, we have no U.S. release. In fact, we have very very few releases uh, release dates. Uh, Canada got it uh, September 8th at the Toronto International Film Festival. So if you were in Toronto, you may have seen it. Uh, and it opened uh, the London Film Festival in the U.K. October 6th. The only other wider release date is the U.K. February 2nd of 2018. So uh, check it out. Cool. The list. We have stories of missing people stranded somewhere, lost colonies included. Now, I think we had some <laughs> refinement to the list this week uh, in Slack. Andy, did did well? Where did you go with this? Yeah, because I was wondering. I'm like, are are, the, is, are these stories where like our our uh, protagonists, the people we're following, are they the ones who are lost, or do they need to come across somebody who is lost? And so I was a little, uh, you know, I wasn't sure which direction we wanted to go or did it matter? And so I think Steve suggested we we try to fix, fix on stories where they come across somebody who is lost. And uh, then if we need to go the other route, we we will. Here's here's the problem that I ultimately had with with that in my list. And that's why I think I may have broken some things that the people who are searching for those who are lost find those who are lost but do those who are lost actually know they're lost and if and or do they care that they are perceived as lost by those who are doing the seeking wow that's that's right so just think just think about that that's where my head went with this uh and and no geostorm was not one of my selections (laughs) well it was tricky because the struggle i had is that um there were some that we've already covered, like Apocalypse Now, and yeah. there were uh, there were others that I came up with that I really just don't like, and so I didn't <laughs> want to talk about them at all. <laughs> so, so I ended up going more the the route of people who end up getting stranded, 
um, than the the ones of, of coming across somebody who is stranded. Because I found that the ones where they come across somebody who is stranded, I just, I, I tend to not like those movies. So I didn't want to bring them up at all. <laughs> So. Yeah, so I, I I totally broke it because my list is people who are not actually stranded. They are considered lost, but lost by those who are doing the seeking. Oh, okay. oh this will be fun. Oh, so they this don't. Okay, okay. This, yeah, because I, yeah, yeah. It, it was a. Cha- I think we knew it was going to be a challenging list, but yes. I think, yeah, totally. I think we'll all. I think have some fun and interesting titles to talk about. And list rules be damned. <laughs> there well, you go. And so Apocalypse Now is a great example yeah. of that. Yeah. Like he's considered quote lost but only by those who are doing the seeking yes uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. all right i feel better okay. i feel better yeah. uh andy would you go first i don't think you ever go first i certainly will go first um this is one where i i feel it does actually uh count as our protagonists encountering somebody who is lost um and uh and and the per- lost person is not really the focus of the film and it's hard to say that they're actually lost but they certainly are um, in a situation where they need help and nobody's really there to help them. The film is David Lynch's 1990 film, Wild at Heart. And the scene is uh, a, a really interesting one. That's It's the one scene that's stuck with me more than any other scene from this film. It's when Lulu and Sailor are driving across the desert and they come across this the, 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 the wreckage from this aftermath of this, uh, this car accident. And everybody's dead except for this one woman this one young woman who is is our lost person she's she's stranded there at this accident she's got like a brain injury and she's like picking at her brain and she doesn't realize it and uh she's just kind of like you know lost and has no idea what to do and uh just kind of dies right there in front of them and then lula of course thinks this is a really bad omen and bad things are coming their way and everything but it's such an interesting moment encountering somebody who's just stranded and really has no no way out and is about to die. It's really kind of a very powerful moment in this film. I, I have so little memory of this movie other than I think Nicolas Cage was pretty tolerable in it. <laughs> oh, he's he's very Nicolas Cage. It's a, yeah. it's a really great movie. I don't remember it. And oh. I never would have considered that it's a that it's, it's a, a the, that it would fit the category of lost. <laughs> I need to watch it again. Absolutely. Well, no, it's a it's a memorable scene because I remember seeing it in theaters and when she's she's picking at her like scalp or something and it's yeah. like brain exposed yeah. brain or something in there. And she's just like digging her fingers in there, scratching and she's, you know, sort of in shock and has no idea what's really going on. So yeah, I could, I could see in that moment, someone who's, who's lost and doesn't know it. Sure. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I, I love it. Steve. All right. So my list is all over the place. So my, my first film is a, is a recent one and I, goes along that idea of sort of a, a lost civilization or people that have been lost and trying to find them. Uh, and this is Lost City of Z, which is actually based uh. on a book, the true story of a sort of early explorer trying to find this lost, you know, civilization in South America. And he becomes obsessed with trying to find this place, going down the Amazon, takes several quests. This is in the early uh See, but this is like the 1900s, I think, is when he starts. So it's the quest to find the people that are lost and whether or not he can actually find them. Do they actually exist? Because it's a sort of mythical city of gold that has that there are, you know, ancient documents about coming across this lost tribe, and he's on his quest to see if he can find them. 
Yeah, I actually uh, just watched it fairly recently. It was a really interesting film. I didn't know it was going to be as much of a biopic as it was because it really is just kind of a story about uh, about this man's life as he's kind of going back and forth between his journeys and whatnot. And yeah, it's like the I think it's actually um, in the because uh, he goes off to World War One, so I think it's in the early uh, early twentieth century. Yeah. So. Um, uh, it was a really interesting film, and uh, I, I, it's it's an interesting concept. The whole idea of going off to find the city, and did he find it? You know, what, that was uh, an interesting bit about the ending. So I, I I enjoyed it. Did it hurt the film that it had both Lost City and Z in the title, which made me think, of course, that it's a city full of zombies and wondering where the zombies are and what? No zombies? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> only it was hurt with you that you're yeah. the only person who, well uh, <laughs> see what happened was the the city of zombies was destroyed by a geostorm geostorm <laughs> <laughs> my movie my number three pick is i i actually did not like it at all i did not like it at all but it had some things that were a little bit redeeming i saw it because of the trailer uh and because of this line I just think we should be doing something about the rainforest. I loved this concept of social activists getting on a plane to go prevent deforestation, but then getting captured when their plane crashes by a tribe of cannibals. Uh, This is, of course, Eli Roth's The Green Inferno, and it has some truly horrifying things going on in this movie, not the least of which is when they break the guy's arms and legs and strap him to... Have you guys seen it? I have not. No, wait. Oh, they strap him to this post, (laughs) and they feed him to ants. Ooh. It's so horrible. It's so horrible. And it's... it's, Oh, the ants are... They're just huge. There's a lot going on in this movie that is just repulsive. It's terrible. It's difficult to watch. This is not a movie for me. Uh, there's there's uh, just genital mutilation. and uh, But there's a really interesting thing going on with this movie, which is that, that they find this, quote, lost tribe that, again, is not really lost. They just have never been found. And the tribe has such a different, like, cultural adaptation to this horrible thing. And I think that's one of the things that the movie gets really right, that to the tribe, capturing these outsiders and eating them is not horrifying at all. Like, they're not horrified. They're not threatening. They're just there. They it's it's a ritual. And you can tell their exuberance exists in the ritual. And I think that's something that Eli Roth really gets right, even if it's not a movie I ever, ever want to see again. Um it's uh, it, it was a fascinating watch. Interesting. There was cannibalism also in Lost City of Z. And it's like they the, the tribesmen, <laughs> yeah. like they eat their dead so that they can absorb part of their soul and keep them with them forever. Uh, and it's like, oh, that's really disturbing, and but really interesting. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. see, now you're sweetening the deal for me, Andy. You're sweetening the yeah. deal. Just wait. You got to wait till I die, though. You, no, can't, there's cannibalism. you can't kill me. Uh, oh, <laughs> I don't want to eat you. I was talking about seeing the movie. Oh man, you go to dark places. He's well, gonna eat us to absorb us, and it was just a, right. there is there we go. nothing about that that is going to ever happen. That's horrible. He's gonna invite Tommy over for dinner. Okay. <laughs> Right. Andy, what's your second? Uh, my second one is, uh, this is kind of going into, I, I think it kind of still fits the the former, although we're getting into kidnappings and it's like, I wasn't quite <laughs> sure if this works, but it certainly is somebody who's who's missing. 
Okay. <laughs> so I think it kind of works, but it's such an interesting film to me. And it was um, the uh, 1988 film, The Vanishing, that George uh, Sluizer uh, made before he went and remade the horrible English version. Oh, <laughs> just such a painful movie. But the original one was just so um, horrifying and um, really just disturbing about this this um, this Dutch couple and. Uh, 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 Rex and Saskia and Saskia uh, disappears at this gas station where they uh, stop and, and Rex can't find her. And so he, for years, he's searching for her. He's putting signs up, trying to find her until finally the, the kidnapper is so fascinated by this that he uh, kind of invites him to, uh, to talk about it. And they start talking and said, you know, I, I will show, I will, I'll, I will take you to her but you have to do everything I say. And he's so, you know, fervently passionate about about finding her and and learning all of this that he goes through with it until it builds, I think, to just one of the most like horrifying climaxes. Um, such an interesting film and and when you when you kind of the whole the whole journey of finding this lost person is is a really disturbing one, but um, but boy, is it a, a memorable film. So that's my number two. Oh, I never seen. Oh never seen my that gosh, one Pete, oh, you Pete. need to see the. Oh, I've seen the. the oh Jeff no, Bridges no, oh, no, 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 oh, no, no, you poor no, no. thing. No, this one is so much better, and uh, the, this the, this movie stuck with me for so long because this this guy, this kidnapper. I mean, his whole story is interesting because. There's something that happens to him, and I, 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 it's been a long time since I've seen this, but he does something and people like celebrate him as a hero. Like he saved some kid from getting, you know, hit by a car in the street, or he did something and people are like, oh, you're a hero. And he starts contemplating this, you know, of like, well, if, if I'm a hero, if I'm a good person, then I, I shouldn't be capable of doing something truly evil. So then he sets out to test himself can I do something horrible like kidnap somebody? And, yeah. And, and, and it's just this really twisted motive and the but the structure of the film the way it's oh my gosh it, it the jeff bridges key for southern one is just a disaster go yeah, find go find this so original bad. one yeah so much better awesome yes totally oh i can't believe it what a good list for me yeah so you just got to get yeah. into the blot nelson zone and find time to watch all these movies <laughs> and watch all of these, all movies. these time movies. turner time yep, turner time turner what's your number two Steve? okay so when i think of people that are missing or lost or stranded first story that comes to mind and this is unfortunately their story although at, at the end we sort of get to see you know the the, dis- the discovery or rescue of them but one of the most powerful stories of people being stranded and lost for me is lord of the flies and i'm going with the 1963 film directed by peter brook which i think is Superior to the Christian Bale one from the like 1989. Find the original Peter Brook version of Lord of the Flies and just go into a dark place with these boys as they are stranded on an island. I've only seen the Christian Bale one. Um, I always found it very uh, powerful. I really enjoyed the the book and I enjoyed that film. I just have not made it around to watching the uh, that former one, um, but I definitely need to because it's uh, it's a story I've always just been drawn to. So I got to check that one out. This one I have seen, and the kid who plays Piggy is amazing. Oh yes, this is it's great, truly. Okay, uh, my pick. Uh, I don't think you have to go very far. When you think about finding lost civilizations, hashtag alternative fact Egyptians to run into Stargate. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> did you see that coming? I, I don't think you didn't. did. 
I don't think you did. Uh, this is this is the thing that started it all. And you know, I'll tell you, a lot of the reason that I'm doing this is because Dean Devlin uh, was uh, up to better things with Roland Emmerich, and because I just saw Geostorm, I had to I, I had to come back around and, and cleanse my palate. I adored Stargate. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, I love Kurt Russell and James Spader and their relationship, and Jay Davidson is amazing. Uh, and uh, this is the story of the fantastic, uh, we'll call it the, quote, transwarp beaming device that takes you to another world. Uh, you you walk through the Oculus and suddenly you realize that the Egyptians were aliens and there is a whole <laughs> group of slaves that are out there building stuff uh, for uh, for the Egyptian aliens and I <laughs> I thought it was just great and you know what else I loved everything that it spawned I've watched all of the Stargate uh, uh, series uh, every season and it was a lot of fun this was they've they've done a great job and so i i'm excited by the the thought of uh, some more stargate coming i think stargate origins is on the table somewhere so uh we'll see what happens but i'm excited about it stargate find those uh, uh this is alternative fact history uh that's the one boy that's what i need to watch again i have it's been a I, long I haven't seen stargate time. yeah yeah i haven't seen it since it was in theaters if you can believe that it was one of the first DVDs I bought, and it was back when you had to flip a DVD. What? Early. You had to yeah. flip a DVD? I had to flip the DVD. It was a two-sided DVD. Oh, wow. It was one of the very first DVDs I ever bought was two-sided. And uh, yeah, now, yeah, I, I loved that well, movie. Well, okay. I, I, I remember enjoying the movie. You know, it wasn't something that I felt compelled to you know watch you know multiple times, but I did enjoy it. And I did, I did start watching Stargate Atlantis. When that was uh, when that first came out, and I think I made it through the first couple seasons because it, it was my you know little sci-fi fix at the yeah. at the time. But yeah, no, it's it's an interesting concept. So the lost people are the who? Well, they're the Egyptians. Oh, okay, uh, the, yes. The hashtag Egyptians. Oh, that's no, because you know when they go through the start, when they go yes. through the Stargate, right? Got it. Yes. They, there is this whole like mad group of slaves that are under the thumb of that's right. Ra. That's right. And that's right. yeah, they're they're very lost. They, oh, okay, that's what I'm <laughs> lost. That's, that's the pitch. People, yes, they are. They are lost and oppressed. Lost in their oppression. I enjoyed it enough, but I, I it was one that I never really returned to. I was never that excited about the shows. Um, maybe I should revisit the film. I wonder if it's worth it. Oh, totally worth it. Yeah. I wonder if it's worth It's my pick, Andy. <laughs> okay. Yes, it is worth it. You're making me rethink that eating you thing. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, I think it's your turn now. Number one, Your number one pick. My number one is, uh, this is definitely more about um, our heroes uh, all getting lost and having to try to survive. This is one of my uh, favorite uh, recent films. It came out in uh, 2011, and it is the brilliant Joe Carnahan film, The Gray, uh, with Liam Neeson, Frank Grillo, Dermot Mulroney, uh, just a a great cast of characters uh, of people who get stranded um, when their plane crashes, this is a bunch of Alaskan oil men who um, are, are heading home after uh, working the drills for a while and their plane crashes. And not only do they have to survive the horrible uh, snows and the winter, but they're being stalked by a pack of gray wolves. And 
Uh, this movie just I, I found so exhilarating and so brilliantly written. It's uh, it has some really quiet moments that I think are really powerful. It Liam Neeson as always just plays just a really fascinating character with a great uh, internal and external performances. Um, and just I mean everything about this film was so exhilarating, uh, leading to just just a really uh, you know great climax. I thought I love this movie. That is my final pick. It is The Gray. I remember a lot of pieces of this movie, but the thing that actually uh, I thought was was scariest was the actual plane crash. Like some oh, of the shots yeah. of of him kind of upside down, uh, watching the landscape go by as the plane has kind of come apart is terrifying. Ugh. Yep. Strong stuff. See, that's yeah. that's one of those. I kept hearing things about it. I'll get around to it someday, but just never got around to it yet. So I'll have to move that up in my queue and and check it out because it's uh, it's it's Liam Neeson. You know, it is Liam Neeson at his at his top form. That's what I've heard. Speaking of speaking of the Liam, have you seen the Commuter trailer? Mm. His next one, yeah. <laughs> Not so excited about that. Not one. So excited. Feels like no. I've seen that a little bit before. Because no, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of upset. It's hard to watch the gray and then watch this. <laughs> Every time I see that trailer, I think I want somebody to make a short film where you know Liam Neeson's on a train, a woman you know approaches him and proposes something, and he's just like, "Yeah, I think I'll pass," and gets off the train. It goes back to right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Just stop talking, Liam. Just stop talking. <laughs> What's your next pick, Steve? This is the big one. Okay, Wrap it this up. This is the big one. So when you think of, you know, people that have been stranded or abandoned or lost, and it, it took me into like lost civilizations and forgotten worlds and underground cities and dystopias and there was one that just sort of rose to the top of that pile because I think it's it's been overlooked. And this is going back to 2008 with Saoirse Ronan and Bill Murray and Toby Jones, The City of Ember, in which you have an underground city. But what we discover later on is that they are sort of a forgotten people. It was a city that was started to avoid you know, global collapse and they were only supposed to be down there for a short period of time. And now they're way past their expiration date. And it's sort of this adventure of discovering that they actually are not supposed to be there. So discovering that they are lost. I never saw this one. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great young adult novel. And I think they did a a really good job of adapting it, but yeah, it's uh, it's people that don't know they're lost. Did you read the book? Oh yeah, I read the. I think there were. Yeah, you read all. The, I think there were. I read the first three or so in the series. Yeah. yeah, it piqued my curiosity, but I figured, oh, I'll wait till my kids are old enough where we can just rent it and watch it together. Oh yeah, no, perfect. I think your kids are probably the perfect age for the, for this one. I'll have to. Oh. There's there's one there's one little slightly scary monster moment, but uh, that I. I I think they'll be fine with the rest of it. Nice, nice. And uh, awesome. have they ever talked about making the other books into movies, or what's happened with that? Oh. No, it's I think the concept wasn't that good. Well, the concept goes in a completely different direction that I think this was the height of dystopia. We didn't, you know, so it's sort of like, what can we mine for source material? And the books go in a a very different direction later on. Well, in reading about it online, it looks like it was a box office flop. So that means there's no no chance of them making the sequels. (laughs) But Bill Murray, Martin Landau, Toby Jones, Tim Robbins. Yeah. Yeah. Great cast. And Tom Hanks was one of the producers. Interesting. Yeah, there you go, Andy. Yeah, I know. Now you have. Now you have to see it. <laughs> you has to. I has to. I has to. My movie, my number one pick, is I think the perfect pick for the list of all nine by definition. It is, of course, 1995. Mark Caro and Jean-Pierre Jeunet, The City 
of lost children. La Cité hey. des Enfants Perdus. I love this movie so, so much. Uh, we haven't talked about this on the show, have we? Nope. Did I violate something? This was, uh, the, obviously, this is the same uh, large group of people that brought us Delicatessen, which we have talked about, which was fan freaking tastic. Uh, I like this movie just as much. Ron Perlman uh, is great. Uh, uh, Daniel uh, Emil Thorpe is crank. Uh, of course, Dominic Pignon plays all the clones. Uh, this is just a fantastic cast of characters about a, a mad scientist who is kidnapping children and taking them to his oil rig to help stop his aging process. Uh, and um, it it is just a fantastic a dreamscape of wonderful imagery and um, and and you know the, the the it's got lost children in the title. <laughs> I win. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was a really fun movie. Very creative. I mean, just you know, Caro and Junet have a really interesting um, visual style when they're uh, making these films together. I had a, a lot of fun with this one. I remember really enjoying it. I loved it when we're following the flea as kind of as the fleas jumping around and everything. Just some great oh. stuff that I remember from this film. And it's definitely one that I'd love to rewatch sometime soon. And uh, totally. I hang my head in shame because I have not yet <gasps> oh. seen it. I know. I know. It's 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 on the oh, list wow. out there. I know. We've all got stuff to watch. Yes. Yeah. My list of shame. It is there. I can't remember when did so this came out in 1995. When was Ron Perlman playing Beauty and the playing the Beast in Beauty and the Beast on TV? It was uh, before this. It was before this. I that's that I that's my memory of it because I remember his name, but I don't think I'd ever actually like internalized that that was his face. And so I saw this movie with Ron Perlman in it, and I was like, wait, which one was the Beast? <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. Uh, and and he is, uh, he's gone on to, to play some just terrific uh, roles in a long career. So yeah. um, this is really fun. If you haven't seen it, definitely get it. Get it on the list. That's it. I think we did a pretty good job. Yeah. Yeah, it was a challenge. Lots of... Lots of- a variety of films that yeah. uh, you know kind of fit the uh, the original idea, but I think they were all good. They were definitely better to talk about than Interstellar, which was one of the ones that I didn't just want to talk about. Stop. Stop. <laughs> just no. <laughs> Truly. No. Yeah. Just no. Yeah. I'm surprised you no. didn't bring that one up. What? No. Oh, because he's no. Because Matt Damon's lost. Yeah, he is stranded. <laughs> but I, I I went like lost civilization approach to that of like larger. Because yeah. like for me in Star Trek Beyond, it was, you know, they had established a colony. So I wasn't just looking for a person that was stranded. Sort of like a, a, a civilization that emerged from people that had been lost. And just yeah. do you just stop with Interstellar? Because <laughs> you could have done all three had we not talked about the Martian. Because there was that that third movie where Matt Damon and Affleck were lost. What was that one? I haven't seen it. Um, but they made a big deal when when the Martian and Interstellar came out that you should do the trilogy of Matt Damon lost. Well, movies. the other one's Saving Private Ryan. No, no, no. Oh, maybe there's Isn't no. That, this is not. Are that you talking one. about Jerry? Yeah, yeah. With, that's that's yeah with with uh, Matt Damon and Casey Affleck. Yeah, that's that's yes. a really yeah. interesting movie. That one is is really worth checking out. It's part of uh, Gus Van Sant. Uh, he had like a trilogy yeah. around that or something of like characters that were lost or dying or something. Death yeah, or something. Gus, the death Gus Van Sant's trilogy right. of movies I don't want to see. No, is that what it was called? Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah, you know, <laughs> oh, of maybe. course. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> okay, bringing it back yeah. around. What are we going to do for next week's list? Well, because uh, Nine Queens involves uh, stealing stamps, I was thinking we should do movies that involve stamps. 
<laughs> or have stamps somewhere in them. I think we can oh, do this. That is I think so, we can do this. <laughs> man, that is some alpha list making right there. I know. Okay. I okay. M- movies, great movies with stamps involved. Yes. Okay. All Ideally, right. it's part of the plot, but if we're struggling, it doesn't have to be a part of the plot. As long as, <laughs> as long as there's kind of a stamp element to it that is kind of pointed out. <laughs> Movies about stamps. <laughs> Ideally, part of the plot, but at least should be, quote, pointed out. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll it. go with that. I love it. Uh, you know, I have I have one more that I'm actually surprised nobody talked about. There is a movie, a 1937 film called Lost Horizon. Have you guys seen that one? Oh, yeah. No? Little okay. Frank Capra? Yes. Yeah. yeah, Frank Capra. All right. So this is the, uh, they find the lost city of Shangri-La, and everybody there is fine. <laughs> they are not really upset about being lost. Well, I have not seen this movie, uh, but I think in the 70s, Ross Hunter did Ross Hunter's musical production of Lost Horizon. Have you seen this movie? I have not seen no. that one. Okay. Uh, hold on. Uh, lost Horizon. I have to just give you the cast. I have not seen it, uh, but Lost Horizon. Uh, nope, that, that's the wrong one. Stand by. This is going to be worth it. You're not going to believe this cast. <laughs> Uh, Lost Horizon, nineteen seven. This is what's interesting. The original is nineteen thirty-seven. In nineteen seventy-three, Ross Hunter did his musical of uh, Lost Horizon. The retelling of the classic tale of James Hilton, uh, Hilton's utopian lost world plays out une- uneasily amid musical production numbers and Burt Bacharach pop music. Ooh. <laughs> uh, directed by Charles Giraud, uh Peter Finch plays the uh, lead character, Richard Conway, Liv Ullman, Sally Kellerman, George Kennedy, Michael York, Olivia Hussey, Bobby Van, James Shigita, Charles Boyer, John Gilgood. Uh, wow. They, they are all singing their way through the, the lost city of Shangri-La, and it looks just terrible. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> And I've never seen it, but I have. I'm going to post the trailer in the show notes because it's just you know as a bonus pick. Wrapping up our, uh, our our picks here, I'm putting this on my list. I have to see this movie. Wow! Well, let us know. <laughs> let us know. <laughs> I will do just that. Uh, thank you, everybody who downloads and listens to this show. Because if you do, you're probably a Patreon supporter. If you found this some other way, uh, that's fine. That's fine. But we sure would encourage you to go uh, support us on Patreon, and then you'll get it much easier. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to cheat. It'll just come to your inbox. So we, we sure appreciate you helping us do that. Uh, and a fine Saturday matinee to you both, Steve, Andy. Good to talk to you. Likewise, buddy. Have a great day. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. 
Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our Originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.